You're listening to a People of Note podcast, as heard on Classic 1027. Good evening and welcome to People of Note on Classic 1027 with me, Richard Cock. This program is broadcast every Sunday from 6 to 8, and in it I talk to someone who is a person of note and we listen to music of their choice. Now, we've had many varieties of people on People of Note, but I don't think I've ever had a calligrapher before. And tonight we have a calligrapher, a professional calligrapher called June Teal. She's also a fine artist. Welcome. Thank you, Richard. Good evening to everybody. It's wonderful to have you on the program. And I think perhaps for those people, people know that calligraphy has something to do with with writing, yes. but it's much more than that, I'm sure. Just explain to us what it is. Yes, calligraphy, um, in the original meaning of the word, calligraph means to write, and, um, and then it comes also from the Greek beautiful writing. So that's what calligraphy means. So it's not just it's not handwriting. It, you learn the basic principles of all the different letter forms passed down through the ages. So it's something that dates from before... Printing, started with the cuneiform in um, the early centuries and um, developed then into some of what we call them the unseal forms, um, which had no capitals, or they looked like a mix of capitals in lowercase. And then from there, and then you had the Roman capitals, which gives the Western scripts all the rules and disciplines. So, so are there different types of calligraphy? Yes, a uh, calligraphy, the term, is an umbrella term for so many scripts. We don't call them fonts. Fonts are what you get for printing and what you get on a PC. But you, uh, we write scripts which are particular disciplines that you learn, as you would in art, how to draw the human figure. You'll learn about anatomy. It's the same with lettering. In the formal sense, you have to learn the anatomy of letters. And obviously there are different types of calligraphy because I know mm. uh, Chinese calligraphy yes. is, is an art form in yes, itself. Well, and, I mean, I'm not trying to say it's not yeah. an art form in your no, case, but no. but it, people have them as works of art. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. Um, uh, uh, many people in South Africa, I've found, find it strange that I should have lettering, not just by myself, but by other people, quotes or whatever, on my walls. But um, it's quite normal in the Hebrew situation, Islamic, um, uh, Chinese and Japanese homes to have that kind of thing. Words is just another form of expressing um, a viewpoint as a painting of trees and in a forest would do. Yeah. It's, it's no different. It just happens to be text. And if we go back in history, of course, before printing, there was only calligraphy. Well, yes. Although I guess there must have been handwriting, there must have been yes. different forms. But calligraphy is a rather refined form of writing. Yeah, not if you look at today's modern calligraphy examples. Um, I'm going to risk sounding like a calligraphy snob, but it's really like somebody saying they can conduct an orchestra like yours, and uh, they actually played the banjo in the local pub uh, with a honky tonk piano. Nothing wrong with that. But it's a total different scene. And so don't lump them together. I have had people ask me whether I'm a choreographer. So um, what, what is it? A choreographer is not a calligrapher. Like <laughs> I don't know what a choreographer <laughs> is. <laughs> it's a new word for me. <laughs> Choreographer sounds as though you've had a little too much wine. Yeah, absolutely. Are you a choreographer? Yeah. Well, and that's your first choice of music is Libiamo. Libiamo. Um, yeah, it's a special memory for me. My late dad and I used to, he had a wonderful tenor voice, and we used to lie on our backs on the floor in our darkened lounge and listen to opera. He introduced me to classics, and I, I developed a big love for that. And so Libiana La Traviata was the one with Jan Sutherland in that we listened to the most. Well, and here it so. comes, Libiano. The famous drinking song from La Traviata, Libiamo. Mm. And that was the choice of June Teal, who's my guest in People of Note tonight. She's a calligrapher and fine artist. How did you get into calligraphy? I mean, we all learned handwriting yeah. at school with dip pens. Yes, and so I on. did. Yes, did you? yes, and my pigtails were dipped into the <laughs> desk behind me's ink 
pot by the little boy sitting behind me. And just a matter of interest, were were you already interested in it then, or is it something which developed later? No, I think I think that piqued my interest, but not really just subconsciously. And then it didn't appear. Of course, we were switched to fountain pens then, and I wrote with a fountain pen to the end of matric because I matriculated before Noah uh, built his ark. So, um, but after my two children were born and they were babies, my husband Nigel said to me. You always wanted to follow, because my academic background is classical music, and he said to me, you always wanted to do art, um, and specifically at that time it was called commercial art, which is now graphic design. And uh, his dad heard that I was interested, so he paid for me to do two correspondence courses through a college in London. The old snail mail way. In calligraphy? No. No. In graphic, graphic design. design. And when we got to the lettering part, I said, you can't draw letters. They don't work. It just felt off me. So I hunted for a calligraphy teacher. That was in the early, this is in 1981. And I found one who put me on the right road. And from there, I got involved with the Calligraphy Society, South African Calligraphy Society, and the South African Calligraphy Teachers Guild. And we had many experts come from America and England and Europe to teach us over the years. My studio brought out a few um, during the early 2000s. So, yeah, learned all over. And I, because we traveled overseas quite a lot, I learned from people there as well. But now it's interesting because I can remember the days when you had sign writers in shops who who did quite beautiful things. I mean, they were not works of art, but they were beautifully clear advertising goods at yes, a certain price. Yes. So they must have had special skills. Yeah, the too. late uh, Joyce Coulter was somebody that I got to know through the South African Calligraphy Society and she used to do all the window display sign writing for John Orr's and Statterford's in the old middle of Johannesburg years and years ago and she did the most beautiful writing. So would that count as that calligraphy? Is, that is calligraphy because yeah. she was trained, she learned how to do calligraphy in order to do those signs. But a sign writer who will write on a shop window, for instance, like a restaurant name or something, that is a proper sign writer. They work with much bigger tools and different materials to what we would use in our work. And you know, where I see it nowadays is in some uh, restaurants and so on, there must be some clever artists who do things in chalk. Yes. Uh, and they are beautifully they done. They are beautifully done. I admire anybody who can write in chalk because I tried for a while when I was teaching calligraphy to teach on a chalkboard with chalk. We had a special, we worked with flat chalk so that uh, you could get the broad strokes. And we had a special tool to hold it so that you didn't scrape your nails on the board. But it was difficult to do. And I very quickly switched to a whiteboard and a special teacher's marking pen yeah. that I could demonstrate. Because some strokes. of those signs in restaurants are real works of they art. Are they are amazing. Exquisite, yeah. yes. I'm constantly taking so photographs. So it's a type of calligraphy It's also. a type of calligraphy. Any beautiful writing, yeah. you know, like like fine art that is done well, and I'm not talking about necessarily a Rembrandt or a Van Gogh. It's it's just a case of if it appeals to you, it's doing its job. Yeah, and yeah, and yeah. that's the thing. Yeah, Same as in music. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, and I'm I was just thinking about music now because you look at various composers' handwriting. Yeah. Some of them are beautiful to look at. Yeah. Others are scrappy. One of the people who scratched a lot of stuff out was Beethoven. Yes, I see your my, next choice one of my is Beethoven. Favorite, one well, of my let's favorite. play Fur Elise and then you can tell us about it. Here comes Fur Elise by Beethoven. The famous Fur Elise by Beethoven, uh, played as a piano solo. Uh, when you say it's your favorite, did you do music at school as well? Yes. Um, I actually, my, my father finally could, my parents could finally afford a piano when I just turned 10. And so I started with music lessons with uh, Brian Matheson. We were living in Harmony in the Free State, and he was a very strict taskmaster. But six months after starting with him, he had me teaching the juniors, helping them. So he knew about teaching skills in me that I wasn't aware of. And he also uh, got me through both the the, uh, basic and the senior theory exams. 
And I was teaching on a Wednesday afternoon after school. I was helping teach the new ones the, how to read music and all the mark, the, all the notes, notations, and so well, on. Well, of course, that's a good way to learn yourself. Yes, yeah. but two years later, I was up. I had done six exams, yeah. uh, piano exams, that I qualified for taking music as a full school subject at yeah. high school. And, and Fury and Lees was my m- one of my display pieces yeah. I played. And and the school was here in Joburg? Yes, in Joburg, yes. So I was a boarder for five years. At which famous school? Help me God, we're Macy's school. There we go. Yes. Actually, it's quite a, f- a famous school. Lots of wonderful people have Love come it. out of Help McCall, yes. Macy's. We, we, yes, Rika Sinnott, the actress, yeah. was a year behind me. She was the head girl at that school the year after I matriculated. Yeah. So. Was it always in Bromfontein? Always in Bromfontein. Mallis Street, and when we had to walk from the Corsais to up yeah, to the up church, the oh, twice on a Sunday. <laughs> I tell you, we were fit. <laughs> Yeah, it's right by this very steep hill, Melly Street. Oh, yeah. Yeah. No, but they were obviously uh, good school days for you. Absolutely. Yeah. Loved it. It taught me to, to grow up a bit. It was still very sheltered, but um, I grew up a very simple life in the free state. And so, yeah, suddenly I was in amongst the… In the middle of the big city. The, the city, although I knew the city because all our family were yeah. here. So, um, but yeah, it loved it. And I loved the intermingling we did with debate evenings with Rodine and… Um, Kingsmead and Parktown Girls. Yeah. So we used to love doing those. So. And your next choice is also Beethoven. I see this is good in the Beethoven year because it would have been his 250th that's anniversary. That's right, yes. You know, that's very sad for me is that we've missed out on this big celebration year for Beethoven. Well, we'll have to make so up for it. So we've lost, you know, nine months of the year. Yeah. By the end of the year, we will have lost out of Beethoven's celebrations. Yeah. We'll have to transfer it, I think, I, absolutely, to next year. Absolutely, yeah. Um, well, let's play it. This is The Heavens Declare by Beethoven. Music by Beethoven, The Heavens Declare, The Glory of God. This is the choice of June Thiel, who is a professional calligrapher. Why did you choose that one? You well, just like it. At the, well, yes, I love all choral music. Yeah. Um, did you sing in the choir? I sang since, in a choir since the age of four. Wow. In a choir of some sort since the age of four, almost nonstop until Nigel got ill. In 2017 So um, Yeah Or I led them But uh, The Heavens Declare Was a song That we as A whole school Sang On my very last day Of matric And our parents Matric parents Were invited to come To tea Before the time Of the teachers And then they sat At the back of the hall And we got up And we sang This The late Edgar Cree Trained us to do it Taught us how to we sang, my mom swears to this, well, until her death a few years ago, that that roof of the of the hall was raised because we made such a beautiful noise. Yeah. So um, oh, it so always gives me goosebumps. Memories, yes. Yeah, And I've le- had many choirs of my choirs sing yeah. it Fantastic. because it's just beautiful. It's so happy music. You, so you've sung in adult choirs or did you run your own choirs? I, um, I ran tr- church choirs, yeah. Um, but um, yeah, never my own, although I've arranged quite a few Broadway concerts Yeah, and had a lot of fun. So, but we haven't yet got into your career as a calligrapher. Calligrapher, so yes. So how did that happen? Well, I now had the uh, commercial art, graphic design yes. background, and I also did some fine art courses with the same college uh, to just broaden my skill set. And then I was at the same time learning calligraphy. And um, by the middle uh to late 80s, we started getting, this calligraphy society started getting these wonderful teachers in from overseas um, to teach. We used to meet at the Guide Dogs Association um, uh, just on the other side of Four Ways uh, in their hall to have our classes. Um, And it'll go on sometimes for three months at a time or at Rao. We'd borrow a lecture room. And I learned the, the the more disciplined side of calligraphy. You know, everybody can hold a pen and, and say, well, they do calligraphy, but actually what's it, is it in, based on sound roots in the understanding of what you're doing? And um, I'm very grateful for those people who came and, and taught us. And then as they were teaching and I felt that I could now start teaching people who are coming in as hobbyists, I started teaching classes. And is there a particular style of calligraphy that you do? Um, 
um, I want to say that I do many. I'm um, proficient in um, several, but uh, all the italic forms, I do quite a lot of variations of that. Um, some are playful, some are very formal. I do, these are the broad pen scripts, um, the unseals which come from the uh, third to the 12th century. Um, I do the black letters, the fracture and the textura, which came from the Middle Ages. Um, I also do what is known as the foundational hand for calligraphers, and that's what you start with when you begin. Um, Edward Johnston in, the, um, in England actually started uh, that particular script picking up from the Ramsey Psalter which is an old manuscript, to teach us the foundations of good understanding of letter forms. So let's just go back a bit because mm. you talked there about, you know, an old Psalter. So there must have been different countries presumably had their own type of script. Yes. So there um, was German the Ita- or, yeah, yeah, German, or the, Irish was yeah, famous. The, yeah, the, the, the Irish ones, the Lindisfarne Gospels, for instance, was written in an ancial form um, by the monks. Um, uh, and then uh, in Germany, the fracture and the texture, all the black letter forms were, were developed from there and spread throughout Europe. And then in Italy... Um, De Arighi is known as the Ludovico De Arighi is known as the father of the modern Italian hand because he trained students. He wrote a beautiful um, uh, manuscript book of which I have a copy um, that teaches you how to understand formal Italic writing. Okay. Let's listen to your next choice, which is uh, Some Enchanted Evening from South Pacific. And then I want you to tell us about uh, the equipment that you need, because we'll talk about it in a moment. Some Enchanted Evening. That was Some Enchanted Evening from South Pacific. And we're having an enchanting evening here talking about calligraphy with June Teal, who's my guest in People of Note. When I've seen pictures of uh, Chinese or Japanese calligraphers, they use brush. a brush. Yes. You don't use a brush. Oh, uh, well. Use, um, or do you? Yes and no, because um, I do the broad pen scripts that I, as I've just told you, and then I also do pointed pen scripts, which is an entirely different script where I, we use the copper platforms or the American handwriting forms from the um, 19th century. Um, but I also do brushwork, flat brush. We do our Roman capitals with flat brush, especially if you have to do a large format for a piece. Um, and also pointed brush. So similar to what the sign painters would use. Yeah. I okay. learned to you, uh, to that um, from two different tutors in the States. And so, yeah, there's quite a, a wide repertoire. I also do calligraphy in a flat pencil which is quite fun because if you really make an error, you can just erase it. <laughs> which you certainly can't with ink. Well, so, but there I mean, are methods. What a, what a danger, though, if you're doing some big letter and, you know, it's going well and suddenly there's a mistake. What yeah. do you do? You start again. Uh, well, most of the time, um, if you are writing on the epitome of perfect yeah. surface it's called goatskin parchment it's the genuine article oh you made can you from scratch it off with a razor or something you can scratch it it's called palm cyst to um, uh, scrape and rewrite scrape and rewrite because the skin is quite thick yeah. although it's prepared but you can scrape it off carefully just scrape the ink off and then you um, have to treat it with a special powder called gum sandarac to seal the surface so that the ink doesn't flood on the and people skin. still use vellum um, they do but only the very wealthy um, because it's very expensive. It's not made prepared in South yeah. Africa. Um, there are very few skilled artisans who prepare these skins for us to write on. And you mentioned earlier that there was a calligraphy society. Do a lot they, of people they, do you, it? No, they used to, in the um, 80s and 90s, the calligraphy society existed as an umbrella body for South Africa. Uh, but there is, I don't know if the Cape Friends of Calligraphy is a guild, a localized guild, if they still exist. There's a small group in the Neisner area. I forget what they call themselves. There used to be a guild in Bloemfontein. There is a small one in in Durban and one in Pietermaritzburg. And then 
up here we had the Calligraphers Guild of Johannesburg, but all of the uh, all, the ones in Joburg seem to have gone defunct. There were, I don't know if there still are, two functioning guilds in Pretoria. This is all hobbyists who take yes. part mostly. Okay, and that was going to be my next question, which is about commercialization of mm. calligraphy. Let's listen to your next choice of music, though, which is the famous Rustle of Spring by Christian Sinding. The Rustle of Spring by Christian Sinding. The choice of June Teal. Maybe that's another piece you played in your youth. Oh, um, you wish, maybe. Uh, uh, <laughs> I think arthritis is not working with me, and unfortunately, my life is extremely busy. Um, uh, well, fortunately, I think I should say my life is very busy, and my piano has been a bit neglected in the last three and a half years for one reason or another. But uh, I'm not giving up on music because I think when I've relocated to my little flat in the retirement village, I'll be able to practice again. So tell me, though, about the commercial use of calligraphy. Do people come to you and say, I would like you to do this poem for somebody? How how does it work? I'm just currently, for instance, I work for private clients and for corporates. Um, I'm the preferred service provider for quite a few groups of companies um, and have been for many years. Um, I'm currently just finishing off a a project for a private client that's a first anniversary gift for his wife. And um, uh, he comes to me with the text he wants. Sometimes people have their wedding vows or they'll have a favorite song or a special poem, something that's meaningful. And then I will find out where it's going to hang, um, what colors the recipient favors or the surroundings, what they prefer on the wall. And then I'll work with that, also check on size and so on. And then they commission me to do that for them. Um, and then I do a lot of stuff for events. Um, all the invitations and envelopes are handwritten and the really? RSVP cards. And yeah, I write for people overseas as well. So it's not just local. But it's all you mean, some people may say, okay, I'm doing wedding invitations, but I want them all handwritten. Uh, yeah, I try to, to um, dissuade them from doing that <laughs> because it's get, after the third one you start making errors because yeah, you're yeah. writing the same text over and over. So what I do instead is I will write the original one for them and then I scan it into my computer. Yes. I've got a very good quality printer and I will print it onto the station you've And choice. then just personalize and it. Then I person- yeah. I then address the envelopes and say it's essentially my handwritten yeah. work. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So somebody else can't copy it except if they photocopied it. Yeah. But I'm thinking in, in days gone by, illuminated addresses. Yes, I do that do, all the time. The last, Do people still do that? Yes. yes. Um, people getting the freedom of the town yeah, yeah, or yeah. the city of. Um, I did um, one for... Um, Three for city being district. Now I'm going to be tested on my remembering yeah. people's names. Dennis Goldberg was one of the yeah. recipients. Uh, Andrew Ahmed and Andrew Mangini. Yeah, those three I did for the city being districts, which is Fall Triangle, and I think I did that in 2017. But has the arrival of the computer? taken over a lot of that no, work. It, it, it tries to. I must tell you that a lot of the computer fonts you see now, the more calligraphic looking fonts, were all designed by colleagues of mine. <laughs> I've designed a few yeah. myself. Okay. So, so um, th- that is lettering that is designed based on the knowledge of the letter forms and then it's scanned into your computer and you retouch the letters so that it becomes a formal font so it is not it's not hand lettering anymore at that point but it's very useful because you can write one for instance some of the ones i've designed i've now used a font making program and i've made those fonts Uh, they're not commercially available they're only for my use and I will then, if somebody wants a wedding invitation handwritten, I will set it in that, typeset it in that, print it, and then I can fill in guest names, yeah. any other details, and address the envelopes Amazing. in the same script by hand. So, And if people want to get in touch with you, how do they do that? Well, um, I have um, a website. A website? Just um, give it to us. www.inktrail, yeah. I-N-K-T-R-A-I-L, dot C-O dot Z-A. 
There you are. And all my other details are on there. www.inktrail.co.za. But I can see, for example, if someone has been married for 50 years, they might like to give their partner a beautiful yes. inscribed something. Yes, yes. And, and you enjoy doing that. That's those. the sort of thing I do. I um, A couple of years ago, um, it could be longer, um, Mr. Ramaphosa, our president, asked me to write book plates for him he was he had just published a book i think it's called the the place of the long cows beautiful photography in it of the trans sky where he grew up and um he had book plates printed now to write every guest's name for yeah. his birthday party he gave each guest a copy of this book with their name in it yeah. so i got to do that for him so doing book inscriptions directly into books yeah. or on book plates or illuminated book plates all of that and what about uh, you know, initial letters where very often there were pictures in them and so on. Do you do that sort of thing? Yes, as well? I do that yeah. as well. Like we call them inhabited letters yeah. because they have a living something in them, whether it's a flower or a, a, an insect or Because obviously animal. in medieval times there were lots of yes, those. Yes. And they're very valuable these days. Very yeah. valuable, yeah. 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 How amazing. Well, we're going back in time now because earlier on you told me you were at uh, Help Makar Macy's yeah. School and you said that. Every morning, someone played the piano for you guys to go into assembly. assembly yes. And they played this march here. Well, it not comes. just this one, all the Sousa marches. All the Sousa yeah. marches. Well, this is El Capitan. That was El Capitan by John Philip Sousa. Oh, yeah. And uh, I can certainly remember going into assembly in my day with someone playing the piano uh -huh. and, and the, all the school marching in. I wonder if any schools do similar things. I think it's gone now. I think all that fun is gone. <laughs> <laughs> I, I must ask Mataba Taba how you used to go into assembly. Mataba Taba Khadebe helps us put these programs together. <laughs> I think they just walked into assembly. No I, music. I believe that the marching into this lovely music early in the morning put you in a good mood for the day, even though you knew the next thing was the maths lesson. <laughs> <laughs> well, that was El Capitan by Sousa, the choice of June Teal, who's my guest in People of Note. June, where we, we, we talked briefly about those initial letters, yes. that enters a slightly different field. That's more like fine art. It's not so much calligraphy it's, anymore. It's actually your yeah, fine detail painting is what we call it. But it is part of yeah, calligraphy. It's called illumination yeah. um, because it usually has a raised gold leaf in it as part of the design. In the old scriptoriums, um, they would have a specific, there were specific monks who did all the text. Then the page was passed on to the gilder who did all the gilding, so all the gold leaf application. And then you had the rubica who would do all the red in the paintings. And each one had worked with only a specific color, which yeah. they, of course, didn't have tubes of paint like we have now. Um, they had to um, make it from things found in nature. Yeah. To, I've to got a couple of those old manuscripts on vellum, actually, yes. with music on them. Oh, yes. Uh, which must have been a whole process as well. The calligraphers actually used, if you look at the music, you'll see that it's little squares, yes. the notes. And it's done with a flat tool, a broad edge tool. Yeah. yeah. And so tell us, because I asked you briefly about brushes, yeah. but do you have a whole range of pens and tools that you yeah. use? It's not just one. I have about probably 200 tools. What? Um, because I have to be ready for anything. I don't never know when I get up in the morning what's going to come next. Some days I have to book time to do a specific, complete a specific long-term project that will take me two or three days or sometimes two or three months um, to do. Um, but most of the time, I have a lot of shorter-term jobs. And so I would have to wait for the client to come and proofread a, a draft of something, if it's a one-off thing I'm doing. While that's happening, I'm doing place cards for an event or writing menus for um, uh, an, a, a special birthday celebration or something like that. So it's, it's very varied. I never know what my day is going to be like. It's wonderful. So obviously some of it or quite a lot of it is commercially oriented because you need to make a living. Yes. Do you ever do things for yourself just because you want to make something beautiful? Yes, during lockdown. 
I uh-huh. did a lot of things that I would never have had the time for. Yeah. So I'm grateful to lockdown. Thank you, Mr. Ramaphosa and COVID, um, because I could learn some, broaden my skill set by learning some other art techniques that I always wondered about. So I learned how to work with acrylic paints because you don't normally write with them unless it's a metallic. Um, they dry too quickly on the nib and it's just frustrating. Um, but, well, I find it so. We all have our special favorites that we like to use. Um, but if you're going to write with water-based ink, which is what I use, or paint that I write with most of the time, you can't write on a background that you've painted in watercolor with watercolor yeah, because yeah, yeah, yeah. it actually sucks up. Yeah. It's like blotting paper, and some of the younger people won't know what that is. <laughs> Plotting paper. Mm. Uh, you don't want pa- to write on paper like that. So um, uh, I learned how to work with acrylic paints in a free course online from a very sweet lady called Louise Fletcher in England. And we con- she continues to teach me tidbits. We are in constant com- communication. And so I learned how to work with acrylics. There was a lot of blue air around me the first few days because I really didn't understand how this worked. It's totally different to watercolor. But now I can do it. And I've actually created three framed paintings using that worth lettering over it. Now, when you mentioned uh, water-based ink, I so well remember those days. I was the ink monitor at school. Blue-black ink. That, yeah. And you put powder in. Yes. And then you filled it up, and it was a special sort of carafe with a little lip at the top. There you go. And I had to go around all the inkwells, pouring it in the inkwells. And And that stuff, when it got on your skin, you couldn't get it off. (laughs) Terrible. And we had those horrid old dip pens, and sometimes they had a little hole in the side, and you used to suck it up if you remember, and then it got in your mouth. Yes. It was horrendous. I can see, but Tabba Tabba doesn't know what we're talking about. No, he's too young. He's He's innocent. But here comes a piece called Cajun Hoedown, which probably dates from those times. Most fun. That was Cajun Hoedown, a fun piece chosen by June Teal, who's my guest in People of Note tonight. We're talking about calligraphy. Uh, The program, as you heard, is People of Note. It happens every Sunday from 6 to 8. And it usually covers some very interesting subject. And as I said at the beginning of the program, I've never had a calligrapher on the program before. Perhaps you can tell us what the standing is of calligraphy in the world. Are there some nations? We talked about Mm. Chinese. Um, I think it just depends on whether the tools, materials and teachers are available. But now, of course, you can learn a lot of things online. So that's not an excuse anymore. And you can buy all the equipment online from various places. But in America, South America, Europe, Scandinavia, and Canada, calligraphers are busy people. Yeah. Uh, the professional. So it's, is it growing? It, it is growing all the time. Yeah. It's, um, it's a lot of work to keep, for instance, a calligraphy guild going and teach on an ongoing basis because it's hard work. Yeah. You learn more than your students do. Yeah. So um, uh, it is hard work. I love teaching, but um, I had to stop at some point because I, I, I developed an illness that yeah. I couldn't teach anymore. But... Um, Yes, it's growing all the time. A typical, a small town in, for instance, Portland in the U.S. will have a calligraphy guild of some 650 people. Wow. But then America has a large population, a huge population. But there's an international lettering conference in the U.S., Every year. There are several others every year. And if you go to some of the online calligraphy supplies in America, they'll have a list of online teachers. So there's no excuse. If you really want to learn it and you want to, it's because it's blood, sweat, and a lot of tears at the start. You sometimes feel like you're going backwards rather than forwards. That's a good sign. Keep pushing through because you'll you'll get to what you want. Yeah, because uh, obviously... People start off doing it for love. Yeah. I mean, I, I somehow, I think people obviously think, gosh, this is interesting. Let's try yeah. it. And then they discover that they can do it uh, and that maybe they can make a living out of it. Yeah. Because your next choice is what I did for love. And I guess that's Absolutely. what you've been doing. Absolutely. Here it comes. What I did for love from a chorus line. Now, I notice your, your next few choices are songs. 
from musicals. Um, uh, from musicals. You obviously enjoy musicals. I love musicals. I sing quite a lot of the songs myself when I sing to people to cheer them up. I don't do it as a professional at all. Um, but, uh, yeah, chorus line, Nigel and I, my late husband and I, saw on Broadway 11 times. Wow. We saw it once at the Civic Theatre in Johannesburg, and it was just as good as the one in, in New York. But yeah. what amazed me was the 11 times we saw it on Broadway was spaced over several years, like 20 years, and... Every time it was as fresh as the first time. And it was a totally different cast usually. So they set a very high standard for that sort of thing. Do you like to have music in the background when you're working? All the time. Uh, When I'm working on a text that I have to concentrate so that I don't misspell things or add an extra the, which happens, I have only instrumental music playing softly. And no dance-type music. The Cajun hoedown will not happen during that time because I have to move when that plays. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, classic FM is usually on all the yeah. time. And tell me, do you, when you, can you do it freehand or do you have to have s- lines, spacing? Lines, I always say I like to have um, uh, um, uh, what do they call these things that piece artists have under them? A net under me. A net under so I prefer to still draw in a faint line. This project that I've just yes. finished for a client, I actually didn't want to draw lines on the paper because this thing is going to be for posterity. So I have a light table and I have a grid that suits the script that I'm writing with. I developed it so I know how the proportions yeah. work. And I will draw the lines in black on a paper that I stick down on my light table and now I've got a grid to work on. I just have to concentrate on spacing the words and the letters and not adding extra words oh, or so leaving some out. By by handwriting standards, it's quite high tech, all this stuff. It is quite yeah. high tech, but it's not technology. Yeah. It's not it's not technology. Yeah. I don't like the computer and I don't really like my smartphone yeah. either. <laughs> no, but you can. And I'm thinking you you probably have to have special ink you can't just use any old ink. no you so can't. Where, where do you get all this stuff? I, I order mine from a supplier in north carolina in greensboro called john neal booksellers and they sell the uh, calligraphy books supplies all over the world and they are quick and they are they really are just awesome on a couple on a few of my trips overseas i we made a special detour and we went to john neal we set up an appointment because he doesn't have a storefront it's a warehouse. And Nigel would sit and chat to John Neal, the owner, and have coffee with him while I was let loose in the warehouse. Nigel said yeah. he always came back from a trip with longer arms because he was carrying all these heavy books and supplies. And a smaller bank balance. <laughs> <laughs> no, it didn't affect his bank balance. It was R&D for my, for, for my business. <laughs> well, you can find out all about this if you go to www.inktrail.com. I-N-K-T-R-A-I-L dot C-O dot Z-A. My guest in People of Note is June Teal. Now, one of uh, the things that you obviously do listen to is some vocal music, and here's the duet from the Pearl Fishers, the famous duet from the Pearl Fishers, and you've chosen two particular singers. Yes, um, Lechitra and Alvarez. Um, I know uh, Lechitra... um, died tragically in a car accident in his early 30s. So this was after they made this recording. I was so grateful that I got this uh, it's a, uh, um, a CD called Duetto, and they sing the most beautiful songs together. But this song has a special meaning for me as well because my dad and I used to sing it together. I sang the baritone part because I'm a mezzo, yeah. and he sang the tenor. So it's got a very special meaning for so me. So music was in your family also? Oh, all the way, yes. My brother is a professional um, musician. He lives in London. He is the head of the technical music department at a college there. Has been now for 14 years. And uh, he actually composed quite a lot of music in his early days, just off to school um, for Ballyhoo. He was part of Ballyhoo, the yeah. pop group in okay. South Africa. And all their hit songs he wrote or co-wrote. There we go. So, yeah. And I see uh, Catherine Jenkins coming up also. She's been to South Africa a couple of times. Yeah, she's one of my favorites. Yeah. I'll go without food to buy a ticket to go to her Did you concerts. manage to hear her when she was here? Yes, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. She is, she's this absolute, And I just love that she is just so down to earth. 
um, uh, and she never let her fame go to her head. That is very refreshing um, to see. Well, and she's singing that famous piece by Cesar Frank yeah. called Panis Angelicus. Yeah. Panis Angelicus, as sung by Catherine Jenkins. The, the song by Cesar Frank is quite interesting, that piece, because it was actually added on at the end of a mass setting. Yes. He wrote a mass setting, yes. and he just added it on at the end. You will never hear the mass setting, but you often hear this. this. Yes, it's very, yeah. popular. very, very I, popular. I get asked to sing it quite often. Yeah. Yeah. But I always have to have the English words with me to tell people what I was singing in Latin. Oh, so you sing. Do you sing at weddings and funerals? No, no. Um, not, not quite, but I do sing to entertain people, usually yeah. people in retirement villages or places like that. And I'll go and sing to people who are alone. You never get visits in yeah. hospital. COVID has stopped that this year. Yeah, and it's very interesting the effect that singing has on people. Yes. Because, and also people with um, dementia. Yes. Funnily enough, one of the things that they can do is to remember songs from yes. their youth. It's yes. incredibly important. I recently, um, well, last during last year, I joined up with a group from uh, Bryanston Bible Church that's quite close to my home. And... Uh, on a Wednesday morning, the pastor would take the group through and we would lead some hymns that he would have on the TV screen and then he would do a short sermon. And it's mostly people with Alzheimer's or dementia living there. But the staff benefited so much from um, from the singing. And the third time we went, that I went with them, one old man who'd never made a sound in the years he'd been there suddenly started singing the hymn with us in the most beautiful baritone. And the staff were absolutely, they were all in tears. They couldn't believe this. And yeah. I said, oh, music, music has charms that well, bends the yeah. knotted oak and softens rocks. Yeah, it's amazing <laughs> where it can reach deep into memories. Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's very, very special. Yes. And talking about memories, I see here comes Sibongle Kumalo. Oh. This is a wonderful piece by John Knox Bokwe called mm. Plea from Africa. And uh, I know quite a lot about this piece because, in fact, I met John Bokwe's daughter. This was one of the most extraordinary things in my life when I, mm. I went to – her name was Granny Matthews. And she lived – she was 92 or 93 when I went to see her in Botswana. Mm. But her father, John Knox Bokwe, was born in 1854. So, I mean, I was talking to someone whose father – had been born in 1854. I mean, I couldn't believe this. And there I was sitting talking to her, and she could remember all about her youth and so on. And this song, he went to study in Scotland. And while he was there, he thought of the green, green grass of home mm. in the Tumi Valley in the okay. Eastern Cape. And this is the song that he wrote, The Plea from Africa by John Knox Bokwe. Isn't that a beautiful piece? Yeah, because I am an African too. I was born here. Yeah. I come from many generations from the days of the French Huguenots at the Cape. Jean-Pierre Duplessis was my forebear on my father's side. And so um, for me, roots, yeah. this Af yeah, I always was happy to come home after an overseas trip. I, I wanted to, like the Pope, kiss the ground and say, yeah, I'm home. This is home. Yeah. This is home. I've been offered opportunities years ago to work in America as a calligrapher, a professional calligrapher, full time. Um, but my husband was a professional engineer and we had small children. I had to take all of that into consideration. Yeah, but I, one can imagine John Knox Bokwe sitting in the cold of Glasgow where yes. he went to study. yes. Miserable winter with yes. snow yes. and wet, and he was just longing for yeah. the warmth of summer. I'm sure, yeah. um, but it's a it's a wonderful song. It, it's it, many people thought it was almost like a second national anthem. Yes, and I've sung it on many occasions. We used it in songs of praise many yes. times. And Sibongle Kumala, of course, another oh. national treasure oh, of ours. Wow. Just a wonderful she, singer. She sings beautifully. And this is the choice of June Teal, who's my guest in people of note tonight and you can find this all on the internet www.inktrail.co.za ink as in pen inktrail.co.za you've mentioned um, 
the South African Calligraphy Society. Yes. Um, they were brought into being, I think, in the late 1970s, early 80s. Um, um, can I just interrupt you for a moment? Is calligraphy, I mean, I know it's a very ancient thing, but in modern times, is it a relatively modern recurrence or uh, has no. it always been happening? Edward Johnston in the early 20th century in England actually developed this, as I said, from the Ramsey Psalter and um, the basics of the foundations of calligraphy, if you will, and particularly the foundational hand. And um, so he revived the art of calligraphy. Of course, in a lot of the schools in the 17th and 18th century, people were being taught. In fact, in the days of King Charlemagne, many centuries before that, he told Alcuin to introduce writing into the school so that the people could become literate. And so that's where I think modern handwriting and literacy came from. And then Edward Johnson came with his specifically calligraphy, and um, we picked up all the other other different scripts. Now, let's just pick up on that for a moment, because with the arrival of computers, do you think handwriting uh, is going to go out of fashion? Are people going to forget how to write? I hope not, Richard, because, you know, I was uh, listening to a very interesting talk not so long ago about the effect that handwriting has on one's dopamine levels in your brain. And it's an eye-hand coordination thing, which requires fine motor skills. And whether it's just writing in your own particular hand or doing the fine art of calligraphy, that I always feel fantastic doing my job. Yeah. Even when I make mistakes and I have to start all over again, it's actually fine because I allow time for that. Yeah. I always build in extra time, injury time. <laughs> <laughs> but then, of course, when you're finished, you can see the beautiful result. Yes, it's, yeah. it's there for posterity and... Um, I mean, I do handwriting, but, you know, my tubba tubba always says he can't read my handwriting. My own handwriting is terrible because uh, a a rollerball pen or a ballpoint pen are really not good. (laughs) Okay, so you prefer using a real pen. A real pen. Yeah. And if you remember, I remember, I don't know how Matabatabba Tabba learned handwriting at school, but we had those copy books yes. in cursive yes, script there you go. where we used to make patterns. And, and in fact, it, only in what was now known as grade three, uh, standard one, did we learn to write with ink and a yeah. pen. Before that, it was with colored pencils yeah. or crayons. Yeah. Yeah. So it's all my really long ago. Uh, all looks a bit like the Havana slide now. <laughs> and that's your next choice, which is Annika de Villiers. That was Annika de Villiers playing Havana slide, the choice of June Teal, my guest in People of Note. And we've got Memory from Cats and Highland Cathedral still coming. I, I can see musicals have played an important part in your life. Absolutely, absolutely. Um, I I just love memory from cats. is uh, something that I've got on um, in my own voice range as a backing track, and I sing it often. I sang it to Nigel as he was um, on his deathbed for six weeks um, because he always requested me to sing it for him. And so in hospital, I was singing to him. That was one of the songs. Well, and I'm sure um, singing is comforting, and I'm sure yes. for you, actually, your work is comforting too. Yes. You obviously enjoy what you for, do. For me, music and my art and yeah. and, and hand lettering are all intertwined, closely yes. interwoven. If people have to ask me, should ask me, which is my which is my biggest passion? I have to say both, because I, I, they all. They all link together because calligraphy for me is just music on a piece. And it flows yes. beautifully. Yeah. Yes, yeah. yes, yes. Well, here it is, Memory from Cats, and this is Elaine Page singing. That was Elaine Page singing Memory from Cats, the choice of June Teal, my guest in People of Note. And we're coming sort of towards the end of the program now. And I noticed that your final choice is Highland Cathedral. But before we get there... Um, what advice have you got for people? How do they know whether they've got 
a gift for calligraphy or not? Or must they just try it out? They should just try it out. You know, many years ago, um, I had, um, I was teaching three classes a week at my home. And in the one group, um, in the evenings, one group, one girl came in and she she bought all the equipment. And at that time, I was importing equipment for them because it was easier. Everything came by surface mail. It took a long time. And she tried. She really tried. She wanted to express herself. And after lesson three, I actually went to see her privately. And I said to her, you are struggling with this, but I know I can see there's a creative flair in you. And I would be a very poor teacher if I didn't recognize that you have this creativity. But I don't think it's lettering because you're struggling too much. And... And said it as kindly as I could. And she, she received it in the right way. And I pointed her to a friend of mine who taught fine art. This woman today is a phenomenal artist in oils, which I never try because I would be hopeless at oils. Yeah. But she found her genre. Yeah. And so you don't have to be gifted as a calligraphy. There are very few people in the world who never had a lesson, but they are phenomenal, successful, and um, reasonably well-off calligraphers. You can never make a lot of money yeah. doing this unless you the queen scribe. Um, you can't make a lot of money because it's time-consuming. So you get very little financial return for the time you put in. And very disciplined. It is very disciplined, yeah. yes. You have to practice. Before I do a project, if I've been working in, say, a copper plate script with a pointed pen before, now I have to use a broad edge tool for a poem to write for somebody. I have to sit and just get my hand in, my eye-hand eye coordination, yeah. and work with the tool on the sort of paper I'm going to be writing on for good half an hour to an hour before I even touch that piece. So you need warm-up time. You need yeah. warm-up time, like you do with your singing yeah, voice. And patience. Yes. And discipline, all those things, yeah. as with anything that you take yeah. seriously. A lot of people today, you see it on the internet all the time, um, people think that you can learn faux calligraphy. There's no such animal. It's, it's just hard work. It is hard work, yeah. yeah. It's, I yeah. mean, imagine if somebody said to you, I'm going to be a faux conductor yeah. of an orchestra. <laughs> well, that's not going to fly. <laughs> <laughs> well, and your final choice actually is very appropriate because we've been talking about uh, monks and all the work they did. And this is a very different type of cathedral, but uh, it sort of brings back those sorts of memories. This is Highland Cathedral. And it's a famous piece, and it's become very popular. Every time we play it, someone wants to know where it comes from. Here it comes, Highland Cathedral. That was a version of Highland Cathedral, the final choice of June Teal in People of Notes. That's the program you've been listening to on Classic 1027. And I just want to say thank you to June for coming in to do the program. Thank you. That's, that's my pleasure and I, my privilege to have been here. Thanks. And Richard. I just want to say once more, here's the email address, www.inktrail.co.za. No, that's the website. That's the website, And you can find out more information there. And I'm sure that you can, if you want to contact her directly, you can find some contact um, there. Yeah, usually if they Google June Teal, they'll find me. And it's um, T-H-I-E-L. Oh, that's right. Or go. I can give you my, my, my email address. I think if they just Google okay. you, that'll be good. Be and I just want to say thank you also to Matabataba Khadebe, who's helped us put the program together. And he's going home to practice his handwriting now. <laughs> I can see. So thank you all very much. And thank you at home for listening also. It's always a fun program and we hear new music and we hear new ideas and new people. And it's all here on Classic 1027 every Sunday from 6 to 8 p.m. So that's it for today. And until next time from all of us here, we wish you a very good night.